This is a crowd podcast. You're listening to Fucks Given, the one with Diggory and Kate. Hi, Reed. Hello. Oh, Wait. Fancy seeing you here. What? You're in my flat. I know. I'm, I'm at yours. I don't think we've ever recorded a podcast with one mic like this before. No, we haven't. In the same ever. place. Yeah. This is mad. Um, we had technical issues at my house. My internet's down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hopped on my bike, quickly cycled over here. We had a whole yeah. debacle with the bloody... Um, Headphones splitters. Luckily, shout out to my neighbour who had one. Yeah, thanks neighbour. Saved our skins. So yeah, we are in the same place. Um, And we've got a really exciting guest on today. Two guests. We do. We have Diggory and Kate who have their own podcast called The Real Sex Education. So Florence, what was your sex education like back at school? I don't remember too much of it, to be honest. I missed the lesson where you learned to put on a condom, which I feel like was the most informative lesson that you could learn in sex (sighs) education. I feel like it's the the most memorable one. Yeah, maybe I was just like, damn it, I missed out. And then I never felt confident about putting condoms on. Oh, maybe, yeah. Because I always thought that you don't really learn a hell of a lot when you put on a condom because you're just laughing and taking a piss all the time. Um, I mean, there's a lot that we need to teach about putting a condom on. Yeah. Things like how to make it easier, how to pinch the top and which way to roll. And also, I've only found this out in the last few years. Mm. If you accidentally put on the condom the wrong way, you shouldn't use that condom. Why? Because there could be pre-cum slash sperm on the inside. And then when you flip it, that's going inside you. Oh. I know. So yeah, putting on a condom correctly I, I, is important, especially when you're like, yeah. you know, drinking. Definitely. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I always got other people to do it because I just didn't know. I didn't really learn anything else from sex education at school. It was just, I, le- I, I, I got told about STIs and stuff. Yeah, I feel like it was a lot of scaring. Yeah. Back then it was very much, if you have sex you will get pregnant you will mm-hmm. get stis mm-hmm. there was a lot of like still a lot of shame involved and it was very clinical it was very biological like um yes and i just remember how awkward our teachers were and what uh-huh. worst thing i remember is toxic shock having like a whole big assembly about toxic shock syndrome from um tampons and that again so unfair yeah toxic shock is is still rare like it doesn't happen often it happens of course um, and I remember just being terrified of tampons because of that reason. And I would have been as well. Terrified about accidentally leaving it up there. And I've had anxiety before. I've literally been in the middle of having sex and started crying because I've suddenly imagined that I've got a tampon stuck up there. That assembly scarred you scarred me. for life. I can't believe they did that in an assembly as yeah, well, not even just a classroom. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I was in an all-girls school, so I think oh. it was just like a big toxic shot and something big must have happened. Maybe yeah. someone had died, but... That's like, so interesting. I wonder what the difference is between going to a mixed school because I went to a mixed school yeah and Mm -hmm. you know everyone just took the piss during sex education like it was never taken seriously I don't I don't think it makes a difference whether you're in a mixed school or not with sex Mm. ed I feel like you're you're just gonna be awkward and cringy and you know there's gonna be bullying that happens there's gonna be like piss taking um I've got no idea whether or not being in a all girls or all boys school or in a mixed school actually makes a difference what I would say is that it's probably really complicated if you 
have, you know, if you're not born a man or a woman, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're questioning your gender, yeah. I think that's complicated. That's the biggest thing I think about sex education back in the day. Oh, it was yeah. so heteronormative. Yeah. Like I grew up in Brighton mm-hmm. and yet they said nothing about gay sex. Really? Oh no, you know what? Neither did did my school. I don't know why I'm so shocked. None of them (laughs) fucking did. It's ridiculous. It's it's the gay capital of the UK, and they didn't even teach like anything other than straight sex. Yeah, that's and P and V. Yeah, and like no pleasure, nothing, no consent, no pleasure. There was nothing pleasurable about our sex education. I remember when the first sex education I ever had was in primary school. I think I was about eleven. Mm. And I remember watching a woman giving birth. Wow. At 11 years old. Way to scar you. Why are you showing us this video? What purpose does that have? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And it was graphic. It was, it was like... I don't know if I've ever seen that, you know? Even seeing that now at my age, I'm still a bit like, fucking hell, you know? Yeah. It's it's a big deal. Showing an 11-year-old of mixed children... Oh my god! I don't know. Don't know. I think that we need some heavy changes in the UK, and the UK is one of the best places for sex ed. Yeah, one of them. I'm not saying it's the best. Yeah, um, compared to the rest of the world, the Netherlands teach sex edu- sex education as young as four years old. Um, and again, we're not talking about uh, sex, and, and we're talking about age appropriate sex mm. education, where it's talking about consent and bodies and changes and. You know, whether or not you feel comfortable getting hugged by an aunt, you can say no. And that just like, I mean, that's what we need to have over in this country. In all countries, it needs to start at that age. Yeah. And talking about gender and sexuality and consent is the fucking main one. The main one. Mm -hmm. So I guess having a sex therapist as a mum means that you had like personal personalized sex education but you'd hope so or would it go the opposite direction this is something i would really like to ask them yeah how how was it growing up with a mum that's a sex educator do you do you hear it and then you go the opposite direction and you don't want to listen and it's horrible and you can't handle it until you get to a certain age you're like actually i do respect this this is like really valuable information yeah so we all cringe if our parents talk to us about sex oh my god yeah yeah well Let's find out what yeah. they have to say. Let's, Let's bring, them, bring on. them on. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> so, hi, both. Welcome to Fox Given. How are you both? Hi. Hi, it's great to be here. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. So, we are so, we were just pre talking about you coming on, and we're so excited because we are massive fans of the show sex education and you guys i feel like the show was based on you yeah I, it's it's gotta be you must have been the inspiration <laughs> yeah there's a lot of people saying that actually mm. did you start the podcast after watching that show together we did we, we didn't watch it together though we, we, we there are there are a lot of striking similarities but yeah i think basically once we'd seen the tv show we were like hang on a minute this is us yeah go cash in that cash cow exactly you know, people, <laughs> there's an appetite to it then we thought well we'll do the podcast yeah Nice. Um, what what influenced you both to start your podcast? We were. I mean, it is it is very similar to what happened in our real life. I mean, Diggory was giving advice based on what I told him. Nice. What, what he'd ask me. No he'd come way. and say, yeah. Well, he was giving advice to his friends at school. Yeah, mm. that happened. So I kept going in and being like, <laughs> Mum, I have a friend who's got 
this thing going on. I've got a friend who's got... And then I think after a while, mum was a bit like, okay, he's got a lot of problems. Because when someone comes up to you and goes, oh, I have a friend who... You're always like, yeah, whatever. Your mate who yeah. has... what? Yeah, you know. it's just you, yeah. But after, when I started coming to mum and being like, oh, my, um, I have a friend who's got a, you know, woman body part. Mum was a bit like, hang on, this doesn't work out. He, I know you had a lot of problems, but he didn't, doesn't have a vagina. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was when I was asking my friends who were girls. And then she got a bit like... Um, but yeah, and then I think she realised I was being genuine and I was actually just going to school and telling all my friends how to do this, that and the other. It's crazy. That's incredible. I mean, mum, round of applause because <laughs> you are doing the good, good right there. Yeah. Um, we, well, I, I wondered, we wondered if growing up with a mum that was into this stuff that had all that sex educational background and knowledge, were you as welcoming or was it like, did you go through a phase where you're like, mum, stop, I don't want to know or... Like, how, how, how did you feel about it? It's a tough one because, like, it was always just something that, like, was just dis- discussed around the dinner table and and wasn't weird. Like, it almost like you'd see it, the news on TV, mm-hmm. like, stuff about politics would come up. Like, a lot of sex stuff does just come up in the news and a lot of sex stuff is just, like, like I mean, I could list off loads of things at the moment, you know, in Parliament, terrible, but, you know, otherwise. <laughs> um, so a lot of it comes up and... Um, and so, like, it, naturally these conversations come up. And if you talk about it in a matter-of-fact way, it's not that bad. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not, and it's, it was never too intrusive. Mum wasn't ever being like, so have you got any girlfriends? What are you doing? That sort of thing. Uh, actually, she probably was. Um, <laughs> but I didn't have, but I never felt like I had to be like, Mum, no, shut up. You know? Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of people growing up uh, have that awkward experience with their parents about talking Mm. about sex and I think you must have avoided it because it was just already part of the conversation it was so natural it wasn't like right now I need to talk to you about the sex and Mm. and both people don't want to do it if it's part of the conversation it just it becomes part of of you and your identity and your being and it's just like it's just there I have realised that we have jumped straight into this conversation without actually introducing yes. you guys <laughs> yeah that's, that's our bad so, so for the curious fuckers would you be able to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you both do yeah go on Diggs oh I was going to say ladies first um, I'm Diggory Diggory <laughs> Wait and uh, I don't really do much else but this podcast with my mum called The Real Sex Education uh, and yeah, I co-present that with mum. Nice. Who, who is Kate Campbell, a sex and relationship <laughs> therapist. Amazing. Yeah. So, so hence, we are the real sex education because this is the real life version of the Netflix series. Mm. Beautiful. And, and how did you go? What was your journey like going from who you were to being a sex and relationships therapist? That must have been Ooh. a big... Uh, I don't know, lots of qualifications or did you yeah. have to go through uni? Like, tell yeah. us. Yeah, we're going to be taking notes. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I sort of, um, I, I kind of uh, got to the age where the children were getting a little bit bigger and thought it would be quite fun to do and just went and did it. And there are, and yes. yeah, it does lots of qualifications. And, and then I started teaching and supervising other therapists. So I've been doing it for quite a while now and it just keeps on growing. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Was it inspired by your own sex education or lack of? What was the kind of push and drive behind sex? So I, I started out as a relationship therapist um, just because I thought it would be interesting. And then somebody said, oh, would you like to do the sex therapy training? And I thought, oh, a bit weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give it a go. And the rest is history. Yeah, it just, it just sort of grew from there. 
Amazing. Yeah. And, and you were at Diggs was about seven or eight. Wow, that young. Christ. What did you think about your mum doing that? <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I don't I think, think he was... quite knew at that yeah. stage exactly yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, I think when, it, when the film Meet the Fuckers came out, that's when I sort of got an understanding. Because oh. I think the mum in that is a sex therapist. So uh, whenever that came out, I, can't, I must have been like, maybe I was like nine or ten. And I was like, that's what mum does. And my mum's mental as well. Um, <laughs> so that was good. And that's probably when I used to go to school and, um, and I'd tell my friends about it and they'd all be like, that's, that's crazy. And so, yeah, I sort of, I was, I was on board with it straight away. People sort of, sort of found it fun, I think. Yeah. yeah, when he when he was um, when he went to secondary school, he moved over to secondary school, and I I thought, oh, it's so great the way he's settled in. He's got so many friends coming home for tea. All these little boys were coming home for tea, and I thought it was wonderful. And then they'd sort of come into the kitchen and go, "Are you a therapist?" And I'd say, "Yes," and they'd go, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that's yeah. so yeah. funny. That's so cute. That's actually like a lot different to what I thought it would be because I think like there's a sort of stereotype mm. of kids just being like, oh, that's like, Gross. you know, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Like, but it's interesting that they were all actually really intrigued. Mm. Mm. And we don't have anything. I mean, it's it's not like sex education in the series with, you know, sort of dildos lying around and things like that. It's very, <laughs> it's a normal house. Um, so it wasn't there weren't there weren't all those sex objects around the place, although there were a lot of books and perhaps pictures, certainly on the computer. I used to have pictures of body parts and things, drawings of vaginas and penises cut and sort of on as a screensaver. Mm. And um, I'd forget they were there and people would walk past and sort of go, oh, I'd be really intrigued. That must have been like free porn for you, Diggory. Oh. <laughs> Imagine that—that's—that's yeah. that's his porn, really. Yeah, I love, I love, I love scientific cross sections of penises and vaginas. I'm like, yes, that's my very much yeah. my vibe. Uh, it's almost a fetish, actually. I need it. I need it. Yes. You know what? Not to kink shame. Not to yeah, fetish shame. It Absolutely could be. Not. I mean, it could yeah. be. Yeah, I love a bit of medical blame. Yeah, mm. that must have really informed your own sex education though how was your experience of sex education yeah i think it's at school it was all i mean that's part of the reason why again on the on the podcast i feel like at school it's all extremely it's all scientific which as as we know is my fetish so obviously i loved it but i think for a lot of people it's um <laughs> it's really it's a bit but it's a bit boring and, and not very helpful i think the good thing about um the good thing about mum definitely as well is that she's a sex and relationship therapist and also she's just a counselor in general so like so much of this well, obviously we talk about sex and stuff but so much of it the underlying and probably like the iceberg kind of thing a lot of it is the person to person stuff that's actually going on around it and and maybe just the stuff of the self that's going on at the same time so actually yeah i think my sex education was probably yeah it was massively supplemented by that side of it like whilst everyone else was just getting scientific mm. i was getting a bit more of like the real life bit and again that's why we try to do with our podcast like we try and give people a, a, a real life understanding of it but also give them advice and stuff that you can actually use in real life rather than just being like oh I know mm. what a fallopian tube is it's like how useful <laughs> is that really oh yeah are there any um, topics on your podcast that you don't talk to each other about yeah. are there any like things that like stories personal stuff what's what? off limits hmm <laughs> <laughs> Wow. There's not much personal stuff, is there, really? Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I think I think that's probably like I I think that's what people like to. Uh, I think that, and to be fair, I think there's there's part of us where we're like, right, if people think that it's a mum and son talking about their own personal sex lives on the podcast, people will be like, whoa, that sounds amazing. But I think like we have to remember <laughs> that we are a mum and son, and it, if I can be quite frank, I think I'd be fucking weird. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to tell her about my sex life, and I, don't, I certainly don't want to hear about hers. So I think uh, that's I think how we're going to keep playing it. Um, but you know, every now and then, like some personal stories will slip in here and there. I think, but for the most part, I think we we again, it's like when we were younger, we talk in general about sex. But there are certain things, like when we did our episode on pegging, like there were there, I was really, I was a bit like, uh oh, this is this is a bit worrying because it's Squeamish, quite there's yeah. a lot of, yeah exactly and uh, but you know what again this is why she's just an absolute professional like, I, I was more worried I think than she was and then we got on the call and it was just it was great <laughs> and she was asking loads of questions of being all normal which is why I don't know why I'm surprised this is her job but I just I thought I was way more squeamish than she was <laughs> yeah. so yeah no it's it's worse actually talking to um, a young man who's talking about how much he enjoys pegging in front of my son <laughs> with my son is a little bit awkward <laughs> mm, um, yeah. but but and you but I mean it is only we are only talking about a really really normal thing I mean I don't know how normal pegging is how normal is it? well I mean you know it is it is how normal but it is, sex yeah. is normal and mm. and how common it is and pegging is relatively normal and what what underlines an awful lot of people's sexual problems is 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 actually fear or yeah, bad experiences shame. yeah exactly and so I went off and trained as a trauma therapist as well wow. to help with that because actually that's that's what a lot of people are bringing so I always make the assumption when I meet people that they've had bad experiences and that goes for the people on the podcast as well so we mm. proceed with caution because we don't want to do them any harm either yeah because mm -hmm. you amazing. never know you never know what you're dealing with yeah yeah, yeah. um Diggory do you feel like you and your relationships now, do you feel like, I don't want to be like more advanced than other people's relationships that you're hearing, but do you get a lot of, of um, people coming back to you and sort of saying like, wow, this is an experience I've never had before. Or like, <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. More like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the communication level of it. Do you, do you, are you elite basically is what I'm asking. Because oh. <laughs> your mom's a sex yeah, Because you've done this. It's so funny on my Hinge profile to get it out of the way. I've, I've just put on there that I have a sex podcast with my mum. And, um, and it's funny because every yes, now and then, smart. I mean, because mm -hmm. let's be real, like if they're not going to be happy with it, if they see it on the profile, then they're never going to be happy with it. So you might as well just get out of the way. And um, mm. I have had a few people like as their first message to me be like, so if you've got a sex podcast, does that mean like you're really good at sex? And there's not really many ways to respond to that. <laughs> Other than you'll have to come and find out, which also is, uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. But, but no, um, but I think, is it, is it, would I say it's elite? I'm not sure. I, to be fair, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 sometimes when you're honest and it comes across like you're being big headed, but I do remember one person to me. I think the big, the big, the biggest piece of actually feedback I feel like I've got is people go to me, you know, I never speak about sex with 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 anyone that I like with someone this much like I like because I love talking about yeah. it clearly because I talk about it with my mum all the time like I clearly love talking about it and so I mean I remember one girl in particular she was like I've never spoken about uh, sex with someone before I had it with them which is which is a crazy thing to think 
but also I think really is quite common. Oh, poor girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. I, and I don't think it is that common. I think maybe in our space it is, and we yeah, do that. Exactly. But I think yeah. most people don't. Mm. I think they're terrified to talk about it. Even even it's like what the, the talking about it before, during, and after, and a lot of people don't do any of that. There's no yeah. sex debrief, and that's just so important. Yeah. I mean, Kate, I'm sure that you you are elite because of the way that you have learned how to communicate and you have those conversations and you're you're there. I mean, I was I can ask you that same question. Are you elite in the bedroom? <laughs> is that <laughs> no? But I but 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 funnily enough, I mean, what's something we talk about on the podcast an awful lot is that in sex therapy, when people start, we actually stop them from communicating. So when they're doing oh. experiments, touching each other and things, um, we tell them initially not to talk to one another about what's going on because then that that closes down the. Um, the, the fear, because while, while you're wondering what the other person's thinking and you're thinking, do they like this? And you're looking at them and you're saying, oh, they're enjoying this. Um, is this good? Should I do more of this? While you're doing mm. that, you're not concentrating on your own experience. And then an awful lot of people have, ha, don't have that much sexual pleasure. You know, they, they get aroused, they orgasm, but they don't know what goes on in between because they're so busy worrying about their response, trying to please the other person with, with their orgasm or trying to make the other person orgasm. And they're not having that much fun. So while I would absolutely wholeheartedly agree that you need to talk about sex before you get down to it, once you do sex therapy exercises, you stop talking, which is which is sort of counterintuitive, but really, really works because you end up then focusing on your own experience and and really starting to get into your own body and enjoy your your pleasure. Yeah, I think one one of the best sex techniques I was taught in sex therapy when I went with my ex was Mm. um, I kept, you know, pestering them, wanting sex from them. Mm. And then the sex therapist said, well, don't have sex this week. You're not allowed to have sex. I think it was like for the next week or two weeks. And that changed (laughs) everything. It was just it was I was shocked at how how much of a difference it was and how turned on and sexual we were because sex was taken out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Wait, so. If you're not communicating during the sex, then mm. wh- when is the good like time to sort of debrief what well, happened? Well, you don't. I mean, then? while you're while you're in sex therapy, or certainly when you're in sex therapy with me, um, you you don't you don't talk at all except in sessions where I'm present and I tell you what to do. So oh, wow. it's the weirdest thing. It's so weird to have some <laughs> some bloody woman saying, "Right, you can do this, you can do that, but you can't do this and you can't do that." Wow. And and that's and that's literally it. And then then at some point, once they've mastered just thinking about their own experience and they genuinely have mastered that, then they kind of move on and start having, you know, a, a bit more communication, a bit more about what they like and don't like, a bit more, but it mm, baby steps and then eventually there's mutual touch and it's all all systems go but it happens very organically from that base and and one of the things about um imposing a sex ban is that then you have to talk about what you can do rather than what you can't do so that that creates really good communication because if you have a sex ban then you have to say okay so we need to talk about what is actually banned and what we can do, can we still kiss? Can we still hold hands? Can we still cuddle? Can we have a bath together? Can we? What can we do? And suddenly you're having much more touch because there isn't that fear, oh, is this going to lead to something? Oh, is this going to yeah. be disappointing? Am I going to fail? What's going to happen? And, and, and you, also you get really horny because, you know, it's off the table. 
yeah. yeah. Oh, Diggy, you look so like impressed with your mom as well when yeah, you're like so when proud. she's like <laughs> spilling like the really good advice. You're like, yeah, that's my mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. I, I am. The pride it's, there is, it, is beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny. Like, mum has said that at that like a few times on our podcast as well. And every time I'm like, what do you mean you impose a sex ban to reintroduce sex? But then the more she talks about it and explains it you're like well yeah that makes total sense and it, it, yeah I love it and it, yeah I'm I'm sure it helps a lot of people yeah yeah I, my mind's kind of blown about that whole, whole concept because I guess I'd never really thought about it that way mm. in terms of just like you being your kind of like vulnerable selves like just bodies together exploring mm. and not putting too much of your mind in it but really just leading with your body absolutely mm. really I mean, you have to teach some people to get back into their bodies because they're so in their heads. And so you have to actually do exercises to enter your re-enter your body, (laughs) which is which is amazing. I'm I'm really I didn't realize you'd had you'd had sex therapy. I'm so impressed. That's brilliant. How was it? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm like we're both massive on therapy anyway. I think I've been seeing a therapist for fucking years yeah, now. Um, and then when my ex and I were going through a tough time, we went and saw a sex therapist. Mm. Um, I don't know 100% if it worked because I feel like it was already towards the end of our relationship and it was just me nagging, which is not fair. Not fair. I mean, I've learned now not to nag about sex because it doesn't work. It, it's actually, you know, does the opposite effect. Yeah. Um, not communicating properly. But there was a lot of interesting stuff that we did learn. Um, and for a time, it did help our intimacy. Mm. Um, maybe not necessarily our sex, but definitely the intimacy part. You know, we found, we found new ways to be intimate with each other that wasn't sex. And that was fast, like, you know, just sitting in bed and, and him reading a book to me, because I'm dyslexic. So reading, having someone read a book to me, I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fascinating. But I mean, I would love to go back. I, would, I love couples therapy. I love sex therapy. I think it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Doesn't matter what, what you do or how much you think you know, there will always be more to learn. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why we love what we do here. Yeah. Absolutely. We love doing fucks given. We I mean, I've doing... learned something new today. Yeah. I didn't even think about any of that really mm-hmm. when it came to sex. But talking about learning new stuff, what are, what's like the biggest thing that you've learned from each other from doing the podcast? Nice Ooh. question. Oh, wow. I've learned lots from Dicks. I mean, he's, I think, what, you know, one of the great things about this is the di- that we're different generations with different experiences. Mm. And he tells me all mm. kinds of things that I don't know um, about young people <laughs> and, um, mm. and, 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 and phrases and expressions and things. And it doesn't matter how much, you know, you watch TikTok or, or podcasts or whatever you do, it, it, unless, you're, unless you understand it, it doesn't really make sense. So he's, he's just... Full of information from that point of view. Also, he disagrees with me oh. about so much, so that's that's quite useful. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, the conflict. Yeah, the you know different point of view. Hopefully, it's like a competitiveness where like I'm hopefully like making you your best that way. But actually, I think I'm just quite annoying. Um, it's because I'm trying to fully understand what you're saying. <laughs> and again, when you say things like let's yeah. impose a sex ban to get, have sex again, I'm like, how does that work? But eventually, we get there. Um, <laughs> I think in, yeah, in, in, yeah, <laughs> eventually. Yeah, well, no, it's because I because I, I can't understand as well. What I, when you were saying that earlier about having someone read to you, I'm also dyslexic. When you were talking about learning, I was like, I might have to add that mm-hmm. as a thing on my field profile. I just want someone to read to me because there's another dyslexic yes. that is great. Um, that'd be nice. Yes. But um, 
What on field as well. It's yeah. all the sex educators that are on field, I swear. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, to be fair, I'm not. I'm yet to dive in yet. I'm too scared. But I will at some point, I'm sure. Like, I need to, I need to do that. Ah, um, you can do it. Yeah, I know, I'm sure. It's beautiful. Yes. But what have I learned from mum? I'm obviously, like, the thing is, I'm learning all the time. I mean, again, part of the reason that this, that we did this is because um, in lockdown, I obviously fled back to mum's house because I was like if the world's going to end I want to be with my mum um, and so then we'd go on our like you know you, you're allowed like an hour walk a day and so mum lives around a, a lake and uh-huh. we'd walk around the lake and I, all we do is just talk about her work and everything that she does and um, I think people who were walking past us must have just overheard our conversations and been like what is going on over there what are they talking about but again <laughs> it's just because I, I'm so fascinated by it so to, to, I, I know it's a massive cop out of an answer but again like you talk about the sex band thing we talked about so much about consent stuff like there's so many things again we talk about the generational stuff like um some of the some of the studies she'll read and some of the things she finds out about like actually some of the most sexually sexually adventurous people are like potentially women is post 80 like that's a particular study and it needs to be like peer-reviewed and stuff but mum tells me these things and i'm just like this is absolutely incredible and and the majority of polyamorous people that she sees are over 60 that sort of stuff all this stuff is incredible so i know it's a massive cop out to say oh i've learned i learn everything every day but like i do like this woman is uh someone who's a sex therapist at the very top of the game so if you want to talk to someone about it talk to her and i luckily get to talk to her every day so i learn so much digs (laughs) <laughs> do, you know, do you know actually when, when this we, we used to talk when he was little and we used to go I used to go off to work he uh, and, and he would go to school on the train and we'd be sitting on the train together chatting about these things um, when I could get him off his phone we'd be chatting and quite often about <laughs> sex and I and I, I wonder now I, people did give us funny looks and I suppose you know he was quite a little boy <laughs> when he was about 11 he was quite small and then there we were on the train chatting away and um, sometimes people would join in wouldn't they Diggs but they um, would, yeah. sometimes oh, they just look that. a little <laughs> look a little surprised and doing that in a, almost like in a public space that also abolishes a lot of shame around sex it becomes very you know like matter of fact and like mm. th- there's no there's no awkwardness I think that a lot of people mm-hmm. really struggle with talking about it in front of people you know because of that that fear, that shame, that that embarrassment. That's we need to change the world, man. We are. <laughs> We're changing yeah, the world slowly, podcast episode <laughs> at a time. Yeah. yeah. So, on the subject of sex education, what do you think the flaws are in the main kind of sex education system at the moment, in your opinion? It's a bit too much emphasis on reproduction rather mm-hmm. than on relationships and and what sex can be like. Um, mm-hmm. and I think an awful lot of the people that have to deliver it are embarrassed about delivering it, didn't have a great sex education themselves. And they also split up boys and girls quite often and they say, well, it's because the boys giggle. But I mean, I've, do- I've done a little bit of sex education in schools and I find if I put the boys and girls together, they giggle at the beginning, but they very quickly get, get very interested and ask really sensible questions and they have really good conversations with one another. They learn about mm. one another and it really, really works. But they, and in a lot of schools, they split them up. And I think yeah. that's a shame. And Diggs is lucky because he's got a brother and two sisters. So, you know, you've had someone to talk to throughout your life but lots of children don't have a sibling of the opposite sex so yeah mm-hmm. so that would be good for me one of the things as well is like like we said there mum. i remember at school like a load of my friends had no idea about periods and you're sort of like well 
like 50% mm. of the girls in our class are, well, so 50% of the people in our class are going through this and you've just got no idea. But again, like mum said, it's because in that lesson mm. you were split up. And I understand there are arguments for splitting up to, like the kids because some people might be embarrassed and that sort of thing. So I do understand it. But if you're going to split them up, split them up but teach them the exact same thing because I feel like th- there's yeah, boys, yeah. boys in my class who ha- just had no idea about anything going on uh, with that, like f- f- with periods for example and it's just stuff that they definitely could have known and I remember speaking to one of my friends and she was going mm-hmm. out with some guy and like this was in sixth form so they're like 17, 18 and she was like yeah the other night he just asked me all these questions and just and she had to educate him the whole thing on, on periods and otherwise what's left is you just have boys who go ooh periods yucky and that's just rubbish. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but my other big stick on on sex education, I think, is, is again, like, mum talks about relationships, so I think it's a really important point as well. And it's like relationship styles. We should definitely talk about that. But also um, talk about bodies a bit more, and particularly, um, like, female bodies. Because the problem is these days you have a you have a lot of this, like, I think a lot of a lot of girls and do correct me if I'm wrong I'm now speaking on behalf of women but like there's a lot of like Instagram stuff that is like you know you're, you're showing the, the idea of the perfect body and all that sort of stuff and like people are going, getting mm-hmm. boob jobs and they're getting labiaplasty done and you sort of think to yourself and I'm sure it's yeah, the same for some yeah. guys as well but what I think would be so important is if you're just shown pictures of all the different types of boobs all the different types of like vulvas and labia and vaginas and, and guys like penises and balls and all that sort of stuff as well just showing the different mm-hmm. bodies, teach people about the different relationship styles, like all of that stuff just will hopefully normalise it all so you don't look at your body and go, oh God, this needs changing, it's not perfect. Because everyone's just already perfect mm. already. So I think that needs to be done as well. Yeah, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? If mm. we got shown all of that. That would have changed so much. Cause... And they're not obsessed with all the media and the magazines mm. and yeah. the models and everything we and see. And porn. Yeah, and porn. Porn yeah. was evil. It, yeah. it tainted the way that I saw arousal and bodies. And I think did that for so many others mm. too. Yeah. And like as much as there is the emphasis on, on women's bodies, I think a lot of men, um, pe- people, penis owners suffer too. Mm. And that's mm. also something we talk about less, but it's it's almost like, you know even more shameful for a man to talk Mm. about it's almost a bit more embraced at the moment that women can well I guess if you're only talking about like sex as in like sex and the erection and the male ejaculation and that being kind of like the main part of it it suddenly puts this like massive pressure on men to be the performer to be the person Mm -hmm. that is the sex Mm -hmm. and that's a huge problem when it comes to like you know, I guess it's toxic masculinity really, isn't Ooh, it? It's mm-hmm. just a, like, it kind of comes into that whole conversation. Mm. But yeah, do, did you ever feel any of that pressure after learning stuff in sex education? Well, I guess you probably didn't because your mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it definitely still still finds its way in. And uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for a lot of, uh, a lot of men. I mean, mum and I have talked about this before. I think, um, we've had, we've had other, we had, a, a, uh, Kate Moyle, who I'm not sure whether you guys have had in your podcast, but she's another sex yes, therapist. Yeah, that's, I thought, I, yeah, I thought so. And she was saying that, you know, one of the big things that she sees in young men at the moment is this, is this performance anxiety. And I think like through porn, through all this sort of stuff, like you say, you're the one expected to perform. And it was like what mum was saying earlier about how, you know, sometimes we sort of like, we start having sex and we're so focused on orgasm or making the other person orgasm that we're not really sure about what's going on in between. And it sounds mad to say that because you're like, well, of course you must because you're orgasming. But actually you don't, stop to think what do I actually find pleasurable I know what I can do to get to this end goal of making them 
orgasm or me orgasm or whatever but that's all just performance mode and it's not actually pleasure mode I'm not actually checking with myself mm. and being like mm, this feels good and like sitting in it and I think a lot of men have that um, and they're so busy about like getting an erection keeping it making sure they're doing and I think that that definitely despite you know having the, the the lucky upbringing and sex education I had that still creeps in even now if people if people were talking about sex earlier in schools and things like that and if, if you were seeing you know pictures of, of vulvas and penises and things and and it was all pretty standard stuff and run of the mill and wasn't exceptional and something to, to giggle about then people wouldn't need all these you know sensationalist magazines they wouldn't need to be educated through porn they'd already feel mm-hmm. they they were they'd got access to information and they'd know how to go about finding proper information that wasn't sensational because i think a lot of magazines especially have given the impression that women are entitled to an orgasm and that's and that men ought to be giving them one and so yeah. men are now very focused on it and what that has now done is has created response pressure in women because they feel they have to please their partner by ha- orgasming so yes. so now you've got everybody under pressure so when you say right you can't talk to one another you can't you uh, keep a poker face don't let on if you're enjoying it if you can i mean obviously if you've got a huge erection it's pretty obvious but anyway um <laughs> But they manage that somehow. But but you, you know that that not talking means that you that you have to take care of yourself and take responsibility for your own pleasure, and then and then help your partner to know what you like. And that that comes a bit later on. But people don't do that. They just think, right, it's my responsibility. I've got to get on with it. And that's what they're focused on. And it takes all the fun out of it. That's hot. <laughs> How can we help educate our friends? You know, say if there's someone who doesn't have a sex podcast, um, who is finding that their friends are asking questions. Uh, I mean, how, what good can we do? What can, how can we teach other people? How can we teach ourselves? I think you're doing it. I mean, if you're if you are ha- comfortable talking about it, then you're modelling really good communication, aren't you? And and information giving and that's that's really what we need to do we need to be able to do it without sniggering about it yeah i mean i completely agree also i mean obviously you have a podcast and i feel like a lot of this learning sort of a lot some of it i think has to be done on in their own time as well obviously you can talk to them as much as you want and like if you do talk openly and stuff about sex amazing because like as we were saying before we're not really sure how many people do as much as we do because obviously we love it but like some people maybe a bit more like scared about it and it's funny i don't know if you guys found the same but since starting the podcast people will come up to me more than I think other people and be like, hey, by the way, this is going on in my relationship or hey, by the way, you know, this sort of thing. So I think we're already doing it that way. But also by having a podcast, people can go and do their own learning in their own time. And like, and hopefully we're proud of the work we do and we hope that people, um, I called it work then, that was kind of disgusting. I'm proud of the podcast that we make and the fun we have (laughs) on it. And hopefully like there's some good information on there at the same time. And there's loads of them out there. So it's not even just, just ours. And so people can go away. But as long as we're like, still pushing these things and being like hey i found some great stuff on here and i found some good stuff there they can do it in their own time as well Mm. Mm. it's about normalizing right so uh, you know if you are if you do have a group of friends or even just like a friend a person a sibling um making sure that you're taking the time to research yourself so you can pass on that information you know if you find a good resource send it to your friends Mm -hmm. um make it acceptable even just talking about it with your mates i think breaks down that huge barrier if you're the the person that talks about sex in your group then 
be that person and encourage others to do so. As a sex therapist, what would you say are the most common things that people are coming to you for and that, that people are kind of like the biggest taboos and struggles of, you know, the human race when it comes to sex? Mm-hmm. Well, um, people's, people's libidos differ they say sometimes people have I'd say oh, well, I have a high sex drive but my partner has a low sex drive that's very common losing desire having no time for sex as well as things like um, problems with erections or not being able to come when you want to um, those sorts of things are really really common but the the biggest thing is is people beating themselves up because they're not having enough sex and they and they don't even necessarily mm. want to but they feel they ought to and so they're they're worried about that and actually when you look at their lives their lives are just too busy they're they're yeah. they're either too busy and it's fine when they go on holiday quite often but while they're at yeah. home and they're really busy and the children are around and you know, all sorts of things work there's just no time for it and, and actually part of sex therapy is making is finding the best times for intimacy whether that means sex or whether it means just being together and feeling close Mm. well we're we're part of that problem because Florence and I have the sex podcast where we do glorify sex and we talk about it and we want it all the time Mm. and we don't say to our listeners enough like you know we have high libidos and that's the way things are and, and you know we try really hard to be as honest as possible but I also think part of what we do can be damaging for people that hear it that that's hear our amazing sex lives or whatever we're going through and think you know there's something wrong with me because I'm not having that so Mm -hmm. yeah that that's been like a massive learning point we can't just like brag about the sex it's like trying really hard to to, be honest yeah to be honest it's not about sex positivity it's about sex honesty Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really um, good point. Yeah, that's, that's hard to do when all we want to do is talk about how how <laughs> great what, the sex is. You know, how I'm great the sex is. Well, <laughs> why, why not? I mean, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, it, I think it's good good to know that people uh, people are cause, because you can end up with you can, can end up feeling that it's always a struggle because people do talk to their mm. friends and they all say, oh, dear, you know, I'm, I'm my partner's pestering or oh, it's I'm too tired. And actually, not everybody is too tired. Not everybody is struggling. Sometimes it, it goes mm-hmm. well. And, and what tends to happen is that people go through periods when it's not going so well, and then it picks up again. Um, and, yeah. and, and that's what we need to remember. Where is the outside pressure coming from, do you think, when it comes to like pressure to have loads of sex? Well, everybody believes that everybody else is having loads of sex. And then they start talking to friends and the friends say, oh, no, it's all awful. It's all a, um, you know, I've got a problem. Then the other person's got a problem. So you, you so you, you, you tend to listen to your tribe. Um, and then there's what you see on TV. There's, you, you know, a lot, a lot in magazines, um, people mm. pretending that they're having great sex when they're actually not. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of shame involved in in saying, "Well, I don't have sex very often," or "It's not very good." Um, so, so yeah, it's it's difficult, and there's also a lot of judgment. I mean, people people do accuse other people of being slutty or whatever, and there's no there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't really enjoy feeling like a sexual human being. That's absolutely great, and but people close yeah. it down because they think, oh, it's not appropriate, or somebody will mm-hmm. judge me, and that's a real shame. She had me clitnotized. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about sex, both of you? Oh, Ooh. nice. Hmm. There's so gosh. much, bro. It's Ooh. too hard. Um, well, I mean, what Ellen? <laughs> do, do you know? Do you know what? I mean, I. Uh, 
personally, I would say that the, it's, it's a unique form of connection. There isn't, there is nothing else where you can feel that connected to somebody. So, which is a lovely, lovely thing. Um, but that's not, I mean, yeah. if you're thinking in terms of a sex act or something, there's just so many to choose from. Mm. <laughs> no, I think what you said was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I love blowjobs. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's really boring, but I'm just thinking then, but it's just, it's just a bit exciting, isn't it? It's just really exciting. It's exciting to talk about, exciting to do. It's just exciting to think about, you know, I love it. It's great. It's just great. It really is. <laughs> it's yeah. so it's great. Just great. Sex is just great. That's why everyone is here listening to this mm. right now. And that's why they think yes. sex is great. That's why everyone should go to therapy and sex therapy so they can have great sex. This is what therapized yes. sex sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you both on. Where can our curious fuckers find you, find your podcast, find your therapy skills? Right. Well, I can answer the podcast podcast stuff. So we're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, It's the real sex education on Spotify, Apple, you name it. We're out there. Um, And then we're on Twitter and Instagram at Real Sex Ed Pod. Um, and our own, I think you're at Kate Campbell on Instagram and I'm at Diggory Waite on on Instagram as well. But then in terms of the therapy stuff, mum, you'll be able to take that better than Mm -hmm. I can. Well, I mean, you can you can find a sex therapist by just Googling sex therapy and the College of Sexual and Relationship Therapists has um, its own um, uh, index of, of therapists who are accredited. And um, so and you can get yeah, you can just Google you can just Google away and you'll soon find a sex therapist. It's not difficult. Amazing. Well, thank you both so, so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Share it far and wide so that we can educate everyone around the world on sex and everything like that. Yeah, this be- this episode's been incredible. We've learned so much. Uh-huh. And of course, if you want to keep up to date with Come Curious, find us on Instagram at Come Curious, as well as our personal accounts, Florence Bark and Reed Amber X. And we will see you next Thursday. See Curious you next Bye. Thursday. Bye. Bye.